involved in a series of sermons on the life of Christ we have titled Hashtag Jesus. That hashtag, that pound sign or number sign before Jesus is a social media symbol that tells the social media platform, whether it's Facebook or Pinterest or Twitter or LinkedIn or Google Plus or Instagram, whatever social media platform you use, it tells that media platform to file whatever is being said, whatever word you put and whatever comment you'll put before that word, it files it. It's just like an old filing cabinet that we have, the files we put in a filing cabinet or the files we put on our computer. That's all this is when we say hashtag. And so God in his word has given us all this information about Jesus, the stories about Jesus, the theology about Jesus, the miracles about Jesus, the teaching of Jesus in all of scripture. And we wanna see what God has compiled and we wanna be res responsive to that. We don't wanna just gain more knowledge. Someone said that a lot of people miss Christian, miss heaven by 12 inches from their head to their heart. It's true, isn't it? A lot of head knowledge, a lot of people know about Jesus, but they just don't know him. And so we wanna be those who know Jesus intimately. There's our purpose in this series, to know Jesus intimately, to follow him passionately, and to obey Jesus wholeheartedly. So take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 1. We're going to look at the first 18 verses, not all today, but through our Christmas series today, we're going to look at verses 3 through 9. Now, John has a purpose in writing his book, as all the gospel writers do, as all the writers of Scripture do. And John very clearly tells us his purpose in the 20th chapter, verse 30. He says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. I, John says, I was there. I, I saw a lot of things Jesus did but I haven't recorded them all in this book. These are written. I've chosen these that you may know, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. John says, I could have chosen a lot more, but I chose these so you would know that Jesus is the son of God. And so you would believe in him and you would have eternal life. Now in his book, John tells us a lot of things about Jesus. He tells us the miracles of Jesus. He, how he changed water into wine, how he healed the sick, how he, uh, how he fed 5,000 uh, men plus the women and children with the little boy's lunch. But he doesn't want us to mistake Jesus for a miracle worker. Sometimes that's all we wanted Jesus, isn't it? We got an issue in our life, so we come to Jesus to fix it. John's gonna share with us Jesus' teaching. When Jesus taught, the people said, man, I, we have never heard anyone teach like that. He teaches with authority, authority we've never heard before. But John does not want us to mistake Jesus for just a good, quotable teacher. Sometimes that's all we want, isn't it? We got a challenge in our life and we need Jesus to kind of be a wise sage to guide us on our journey. John's going to share how Jesus chose his disciples, how he, how he got the right people on the, on the bus and then put them in the right seat. He's going to tell how he mentored the disciples, how he instructed them, how he cast vision and established and set the expectations. I have a book in, in, in my library written by a, a Christian, The Management Methods of Jesus, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Business. 
But John wants to make sure that uh, we don't just mistake Jesus for a great leader. Sometimes that's all we want out of Jesus, isn't it? We want him to help us do better in business. We want to be a better leader, and he's a great example. You see, far too many people form what they want Jesus to be, and that's who he is to them. The miracle worker, the teacher, the leader to follow. And when we form who we want Jesus to be, we always squeeze him down into something he is not. One old poet wrote this. I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a warm cup of milk. Snooze in the sunshine. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not the new birth. I, I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Is that you? John wants to make sure that's not you. John wants to make sure you just don't see the historical Jesus that lived for 33 years on earth. He, he wants to, you to know that you cannot buy three pounds of God. He wants us to know that Jesus came to explode your soul. Do you know that Jesus came to do that? To explode your soul. He wants you to know that Jesus came to disturb your sleep. He wants you to know that Jesus came to transform your heart. And so before he ever tells us about one miracle, <clears throat> one thing Jesus taught, <clears throat> one great leadership principle, John says, I want you to know that this person of Jesus cannot be contained in a box. And he gives us in the first 18 verses the most complete description of Jesus found anywhere else in Scripture. One old commentator says these are words worthy to be written in letters of gold. So during the Christmas season, I want us to read these together. Now, we're going to read them together in our Wilkinsburg campus, and Dave's going to lead there. This is cool, isn't it? That uh, we're in separate spots, but we're all together through technology. So Dave's going to lead us in Wilkinsburg. And, uh, and uh, Zeb is going to lead in Washington. And Tom's going to lead in Robinson. And I'm going to lead us here. I'm the leader. You're the all, right? You got it? You guys did a fantastic job last week. So let's keep it up. Okay? No letting down. Here we go. You ready? Letters worthy to be written in gold. In the beginning was the word and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. 
he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he comes after me. He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Amen. In the beginning, John says, was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. In verse one, John tells us that Jesus was there in the beginning. He is eternal. He was with God. He was equal to God. In fact, he was God. In verse one, he tells us, takes us back to the creation story with the words in the beginning. And now he takes us back to the creation story again when he says, through him, all things were made. It was there that we see Jesus at creation. Now, if John tells us that through him, all things were made, we should be able to go to the creation story and see Jesus there, shouldn't we? So let's turn back to Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one, verse one says this and two, Genesis one and two. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So there we see God the Father. Usually we think of God the Father. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God, here's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So in verses one and two, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, look at verse three, and God what? said. What did John call Jesus we saw last time? The Word. Here is the Word of God. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And here in Genesis chapter 1, 2, chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3, we see God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son speaking the world into existence. Through him, all things were made. Remember, John calls Jesus the word and the word is the expression of God. And in Genesis, we see the word. Jesus is eternal. He is God. He is with God from the beginning, but he was not a bystander. He was active in the divine operations of creation. Again, through him, the word, all things were made. And just in case we missed it, John emphasizes that truth by turning it and putting it in the negative. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. 
from the subatomic part particles to the galaxies, all were made by Jesus. Now, again, if Jesus was there with God in creation, he is God, and he is a co-creator with God, we should be able to see that in the creation story. So look at Genesis 1, verse 26. The word has gone forth, created all these things, and now it's time to create man in verse 26. And God said, let us, that's interesting, a plural pronoun. Let us make man in what? Our image. And so here from the very beginning, you have the Trinity. And here from the very beginning, you have Jesus, who is the one there at creation, creating the world. So you say, time out. I always pictured Jesus as that baby in the manger and then growing up and then walking throughout Palestine teaching and then he died on the cross. I've never seen him as the creator. So maybe John is getting a little carried away here. Is there, uh, are there other places in scripture that say the same thing? I'm so glad you asked that. It's a great question. Here are the two passages you need to jot down. We'll read them both. Colossians 1, 15 through 17, and Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. Let's look at the Colossians passage first. Here's a passage that tells us, Paul tells us about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Check this out. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is not only the creator of all things, but he sustains all things. He holds things together. You can't leave Jesus in the cradle. In the beginning was the word. Through the word, all things were made. He is the creator of all things. You can't have a pound of Jesus. He's the creator of all things. Turn over to Hebrews chapter one. This writer says, in the past, God spoke, verse one, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he what? He made the universe. Jesus Christ is the creator. Don't leave him in a manger. Now, I'm not trying to downplay the Christmas story. Jesus did come, and that's a beautiful story, and we're going to look at the Christmas story. He did come, and he was a baby, and, and we want to see that, and we want to tell that story, and Matthew and Mark tell that story to us. But John says, wow, that's a great story. Don't miss a bigger story. This little baby that came was God. This little baby that came was the creator. This little baby that came is eternal. Don't keep him in a manger. For the Jew, this was so significant. Because for the Jew, they always saw God as the creator, right? And now, when they learn that Jesus is God as well, and that he is the creator, 
This changes everything. This puts Jesus, as he should be, on par with Yahweh, the one they have worshipped in the history of their nation. And so one old commentator, Matthew Henry, says it this way. This proves the excellency of the Christian religion that the author and founder of it is the same that was the author and founder of the world. When we worship Christ, we worship him to whom the patriarchs gave honor as the creator of the world and on whom all creatures depend. Through him, all things were made and without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now, if he's the creator, you would expect him to provide life itself. And so John tells us that's exactly what he did in him, verse 4, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. The Hebrew, the Greek is very important here. In English, we have one word, life, right? In Greek, there were two words for life. By the way, am I impressing you with this Greek? Because if I'm not impressing you, I'm going to stop. <laughs> I'll stop doing it. One word for life was bios. And we get the word what from it? Biology. It means the natural life. It means the mortal life. It means the temporal life. And so when you're reading in the Greek and you come up on the word bios, you're talking about a mortal life or a temporal life. But here, when John says he was alive, he uses a different word. He uses the word zoe. Anyone ever heard of that word? Zoe. And zoe means divine. It means eternal. Uh, it means immortal. John uses that word 37 times in his gospel, another 13 times in 1 John. And many of those times, he could have just used this word here because it means eternal. But just in case people miss it, 17 of the times he uses it in John, he adds the word eternal. He wants to make sure that everyone understands Jesus did not come just to make our 70 years on this life more bearable. He didn't come just so that we would have blessings here on this earth. He came to give us eternal life, not just mortal life. Certainly he came to give us life and life more abundantly. And when we follow Christ, there is nothing more satisfying, nothing more meaningful. But man, this is a little blip on the eternal screen. John says, when you look at life in Jesus, you're looking through it in an eternal lens. He came to give us life everlasting. John chapter five, turn there with me as Jesus explains this to the religious leaders. He has just healed a man on the Sabbath. The religious leaders did not appreciate it. And uh, so he speaks to them in verse 16, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews, the Jews persecuted him. And Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him, not only because he was breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father. Remember, he said, my father, who's always at work. And 
The Jews knew that didn't mean he was subordinate to the father. When you called someone your father, you were equal to him. Look at verse again, verse 18, calling God his father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. Check this out, verse 21. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Have you received that life from Jesus? See, Jesus is the life giver. He's the creator, so he gave us physical life. He came and died on a cross for our sins. It's our sacrifice, so he gave us spiritual life, and we can enjoy that here. But don't ever forget that he came to give us eternal life. He is our Savior. Have you trusted in him as your Savior? In the process of him bringing a person to himself, he reveals who he is. And John says, in him was life, and that life was what? It was the light of men. It was the light that came to reveal us, reveal God to us. Jesus came. I am the way, the truth, and the life. His life was the light, the revelation, so that we could finally see who we are and see who we could become through Jesus. Now, it's interesting that John here says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. John puts us in the reality of where we are. We live in a sinful world. In John, he uses darkness as a metaphor for sin and death and separation from God. The gospel writer Matthew says that hell is being cast into the outer darkness. Darkness is always a place you don't want to be. And it's interesting in John, John will often use a word with two, and he'll put two meanings to it. And so remember, he tells us that Nicodemus came to Jesus when? At night. Well, he came at night, it was dark, but he also is telling us Nicodemus had a dark soul. He was confused about who Jesus was. Another great passage when Judas betrays, when, when Jesus is at the Last Supper and he says, one's going to betray me, and they say, who's it going to be? And he says, the one I take the bread with. And then he, he dips the bread with Judas, and then he says, Judas, go, uh, uh, go, do what you must, go do what you do and do it quickly. And it says, Judas went out, and then John adds, and it was night. Because John wants us to know something dastardly is going to happen. It is dark. There are spiritual forces out there. John establishes a battle that's going on here. There is real darkness that wants to pull us down. Satan is the realm of this world. But Jesus is the light. And John says, Jesus came as the light and the darkness has not understood it. That's a bad translation of this word. That word means to grasp something with our mind. So it can mean understand, 
But the better translation, it means to grasp or seize or overcome. The darkness has not overcome it. See, John is writing, remember, after Jesus has been crucified, after he's been raised from the dead. And he's saying, man, the darkness tried everything in its power. Satan tried everything to put the light out. But darkness cannot overcome the light. Have you accepted the light? Look at verse 9. The true light that gives light to every man has come into the world. The true light that gives light to every man has come into the world. Have you accepted that true light of Jesus Christ? Now, that true light is not as the Quakers say, that, that inner fire that burns within every man. And if you just access it, then you become a believer. Not the case. The true light is Jesus Christ himself, who when he is working in your heart, will begin to reveal himself to you. Now, that's where some of you are. You've not trusted in Christ yet. You've not come to the place in your life where you said, I trust in Jesus Christ alone. You still may have some questions. You still may have some doubts. And some of you may be fighting with every bit of your natural person to stay away from Jesus. But he keeps revealing himself to you, doesn't he? Through a friend. He tells you of a life change. Through a family member, he shows you what it looks like to trust in the true light. Through a circumstance in your life, some of you are such self-made men and women that you feel like everything you've achieved, you have done on your own. And from a human standpoint, you have. Congratulations then he brings you to a point when there's an illness in your family that you can't fix. When there's something in your job situation that you can't fix. And he begins to reveal himself to you. That's where some of you are. Don't fight that. Jesus is the true light that is revealing himself to you. If you're here today and you're beginning to have questions about Christ and you're beginning to wonder who he is, he's at work in your heart. He's the one doing that. You're in darkness on your own, but he's the one working with you. So if Jesus is working in your heart, don't turn him away. Accept him as the creator, the one who came and died for you on a cross. God who came in the flesh in a little baby humbled himself to die for you on a cross. Some of you are in that boat. And Jesus is revealing himself to you. He is the light that gives light to everyone he brings to himself. Some of you are in another boat. You've trusted in Christ. 
But, but you got to say, man, if this is all there is to the Christian life, seriously? I mean, I got the same issues. I got the same doubts. I'm, I'm just, I am just struggling along. I have been a Christian for years. And, and I got to tell you, I, I feel like I made absolutely no progress. I'm not talking about three steps forward and two back. I'm talking about backward motion. It's time to re-up. This Christmas, it's time to make certain that you understand that Jesus is not your miracle worker. That Jesus is not your wise sage. That Jesus is not just a good leader you can follow. He is the eternal creator. And you bow before him. And when you do that, things happen. He explodes your soul. When's the last time as a believer your soul exploded? When's the last time you became so overwhelmed with the goodness of God and the work of Christ in your life that you couldn't contain it? Now, we get excited when the Steelers do well, don't we? And we get excited that the Dow Jones went over 18,000. We love that stuff. But when's the last time something that really mattered exploded your soul? That's what Jesus came to. You can't have a pound of him. He wants all of you. When's the last time something spiritual, excitement of something spiritual, something maybe you, you thought God wanted you to do or something uh, he wanted you to give or, 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 or something in your life, when's the last time you lost sleep over that? When's the last time Jesus disturbed your sleep? We get our sleep disturbed over other stuff, don't we? When's the last time it was something that was significant, so spiritual, so exciting that you couldn't even contain yourself, you couldn't sleep? You see, Jesus came to disturb our sleep. When's the last time you did something in your life and you look back and said, now that was cool. That was God working through me. That was a transformation moment. I said something that I normally would have said. I didn't say something that I normally would have said. I acted in a way that I can only say God was working through me. And I'm not playing some humble pie of, oh, you know, I don't know what happened. I'm saying that's God working in my life. He's a transformer. He's a life giver. When's the last time you truly felt and experienced that new birth that's taken place in your heart? That freshness, that newness. See, sometimes those of us who've been a Christian, let's face it, it, is, it gets kind of old, doesn't it? When's the last time you had, the, you had that freshness that you had that day you trusted in Christ? You see, we have the opportunity to do Christmas differently this year. If you want to do the Jesus in the manger thing, go ahead. 
If you want Christmas to be all about gifts and shopping and trees and decorations, go for it. But Jesus wants to come and explode your soul, disturb your sleep, transform you. He wants to come and give you a freshness so that your children see maybe for the first time in your Christian home that Christmas isn't about getting all the gifts on the list. It's about a Savior, God incarnate, who came as a baby and died for you on the cross. Isn't that the message we want to give? Father, I pray that it is in our lives. And some of us, we have so many Christian traditions, Christmas traditions in this time, that we, that we push Jesus out of the way. We have done so many things for so long that we are missing the fact that the eternal God humbled himself to come in the form of a baby to die on a cross for our sins. I pray, Father, that you would work in the hearts of men and women here who do not know you and you are revealing yourself to them. And I pray that today would be the day they come to know Jesus Christ personally, not as a great teacher or a miracle worker or a fixer of issues in their life, but in a personal way as their Lord and their Savior. I pray, Lord, for the rest of us that you would help us do Christmas differently. You would help us to see that the eternal God, the creator of the universe, the one through whom all things are made, came to this earth and died for us on a cross. May that be our message of Christmas. That's our prayer, Father. And we pray it in the name of our creator, our Savior, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.